Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Today's Bible reading, the first um, passage, Isaiah 55, 8-9 on page 513. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And it's Romans 11, 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For for him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Father, we do thank you that you're a God who is infinite, a God who is divine. And we pray, Lord, as we think about your attributes, as we think about your, your greatness, as we think about your majesty and, and your, your uh, limitless capacity, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to, to, to be humbled and to sit under that and be convicted of it uh, so that by your spirit, Lord, we'll be able to live lives that, uh, that honor you in the way that you've designed us as well. So we pray for that now in your son's name. Amen. I'm going to start with um, a trip down memory lane a little bit. So for me, uh, I, if you don't know, I grew up in the 90s. I'm an 80s, born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s. My parents wanted us to learn as much as we could about the world around us uh, and give us opportunities uh, to be educated in ways that they weren't. And so in 1991, they invested hundreds of dollars into a set of books called encyclopedias. I've got a photo of it. They were the World Book brand. There's Britannica, World Book. I don't know if you know the brands of encyclopedias. That's what it was. That's what we devoured as a kid. That's where we learned from encyclopedias. Before there was Wikipedia, that's what we had. From A to Z, they covered every topic and information about what you could think about. Imagine having the world of information in a set of books. That's what I grew up with. Then came along Microsoft Encarta. This picture, no, sorry, back, back, back. This one, 95, Encarta 95. It was a CD. I don't know if you guys know what that is. A CD, uh, the encyclopedia was made digital, put on a CD, you load it up on the computer, it was very slow. All the information though was at a click and scroll of a mouse back then, right? a mouse with that little ball inside of it. For many years of my life, this is where I got information from. Before there was fast internet, we learned information from encyclopedias and Encarta. Here's another throwback though, the next slide. Street directories. I don't know if you've ever used one of these, but growing up, this is, this is all we had. Every car had a street directory in the glove box. Uh, uh, when I got my driver's license at, seven, at 17 years old, this is what I used to get around. I didn't have uh, a phone and Google Maps back then. You look up a suburb, you look up the street name in an index, you find the map number, you look at the coordinates, and that's how you get places. For me, this is a weird fascination. It was actually one of my favorite books to read. I don't know why. I love just finding out how Brisbane all fit together. Uh, no one has a street directory in their cars anymore. Right. But let me give you another one. Who remembers? The next slide. Newspapers. Wow, these still exist. But it's been a long time. It's been a really long time since I've seen or opened a newspaper myself. It was the source of information for all news, local, international, latest in sports, the stock market. Not only that, if you needed movie times, 
there was, it wasn't on the internet, it was in the newspaper. The next seven days of movie times are in, this, in the newspapers. So you'd have to look that up before you go to the, the cinemas. That's crazy to think about. Now fast forward to 2023 and newspapers, encyclopedias, street directories, where do we get our information and knowledge from? Google, the internet, the, 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 the very device, right? This, this phone that we keep in our pockets, this smartphone, we can't live without these, right? We need to call your mom, need to chat to her, need to call your friend that lives on the other side of the world. We WhatsApp them, we FaceTime them, need a recipe for dinner, get on YouTube, step-by-step -step videos, how to make dinner, check your bank account, there's an app for internet banking, read a book, there's Kindle or library apps, hundreds and thousands of books online. Want to know what the latest goss is about celebrities? You don't need magazines anymore. Social media apps exist now. Need directions, lane by lane guidance, Google Maps, wow. You know, you go overseas and you can just search how to get to places and they'll tell you exactly where, which train station or bus station to go to, at what time, what platform, so you can plan ahead. Wow, knowledge is so accessible. With a swipe and a tap, few taps on a phone, literally at our fingertips. No more encyclopedias. You have Google. I've read that Google in one day receives 8.5 billion searches in a day. It's become a verb in our vocabulary. When someone asks you a question, go Google it. it. Google tells me a bit of context that the internet began in 1983, okay? 40 years ago. In 2014, data was taken where they uh, discovered 2.7 billion people across the world had access and regularly used internet, right? This is in 2014. Fast forward to 2020, the latest during COVID, the number is now 4.5 billion people. It's 2023 now, so I imagine it to be more. I want to show you the, um, how much we depend on in the internet as a society. I've got a slide here. You might not be able to see the details. This is uh, every minute of the day on the internet, all right? This is 2020 this infographic. I'll just read out some really interesting stats. 479,000 people engage online with Reddit in a minute. 150,000 messages are shared on Facebook Messenger. I thought that'd be more. 347,000 stories are shared on Instagram in a minute. 404,000 hours of video is being played on Netflix per minute. That's crazy. And this one, this is the biggest, WhatsApp. We all, you know, most of our church use WhatsApp. 41,666,667 messages are being shared on WhatsApp per minute. That's incredible. Those numbers are staggering. But I'm not surprised. I mean, as I was preparing this talk, I had 28 tabs open on my browser. Like, I'm just trying to always have, do things all the time, trying to multitask. Now, I'm sharing this with you because as a 90s kid, the world I live in today is so different to the one I grew up in. Yet, here's the issue. With all that knowledge and information and the efficiency of it, right? it's so efficient, it's so helpful, the research I keep coming across is that our generation now is the most anxious as well. There has been a huge rise in reports in mental health for Gen Y and Gen Z. Don't believe me? Go Google it. Now, it, it might be, it might be, yes, it might be because there's less reporting, there's less awareness about mental health issues as there was in the past, like in the past there wasn't as much awareness, which might be true to some extent, but I do believe there are indicators to explain why this is happening in our current generation. For example, we have access to the news 24-7 in ways that we didn't have before. Another crime in your neighborhood, another school shooting in America, another scandal in politics, missiles being shot to another country, another thing that has the headline, breaking news all the time. There's always bad news being shown to us when we get online. It's always there. 
What about the endless options that we didn't have before? Uh, there's an anxiety amongst young adults when it comes to choosing a career path, choosing which degree you should study, choosing where you want to live, whether you should study abroad or interstate. We become paralyzed with choice. There is so, many inf- so much information, so many options, and it leads to this inability to make a decision because, one, they're all good choices, or two, we're waiting for the, another option that might be better. I, I feel that same anxiety. I feel that anxiety for people. I feel that when I want to decide where to eat, where to go for brunch with friends, don't you? Get online and there's so many options. Read reviews, read Urban List, get onto Briz Cafes or Up to No Food, these social media influencers that will tell you where to go eat. But they all look good and you don't want to miss out. And the research says that what we call this is, is information overload. Information overload defined, is defined as this. It describes the excess of information available to a person, uh, available to a person aiming to complete a, t- or a task or make a decision. And that impedes the decision-making process, resulting in poor or even no decision being made. Isn't that it, information overload? Because when it comes to our future, we fear, we fear don't we, missing out on something better. And so we, we get paralyzed with the decision. There'll always be a better option. We're nervous, we're stressed, we're anxious whether we'll make the right choice because we fear missing out on something better. There's always so many options, so many opportunities. It's why we click maybe on an event because we hope for a better option on that Saturday. (laughs) Always looking for something more, always searching for something better. Underlying all that, can you see what our heart's desire is? We want limitless knowledge with the hope we can have a sense of control over our lives a bit of certainty of what tomorrow brings. But as efficient and as helpful as the internet and smartphones are, doesn't the fear of missing out, that anxiety, that discontentment that it results in, doesn't, actually, doesn't it actually make us feel less human? Doesn't it just amplify the reality of how finite we are? What if God didn't design us to know everything? What if our brains had limits for our good So we wouldn't feel anxiety or FOMO or discontentment and regret, thinking if I just keep scrolling, there'll be a better option out there. That's a really long introduction to today's topic. But today we're going to search the Bible and we're going to see that there is a God who is limitless in knowledge and discover how through him we can find contentment. We can find a sense of peace in that truth. The first thing I do want to say is this. God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. Big word, omniscient. He's all-knowing. He has limitless uh, knowledge. We read these verses, and I want to refer to them again, but I want to begin with this idea. The, the, the last week I mentioned there's, there's the other omnis, omnipresent. He's everywhere, uh, all-present. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And, and now we're looking at this idea of omniscient. I wanted to, to zoom in on this um, because I think for many of us in our generation, this is what we strive for the most, to know a lot of stuff. We want to know everything. And while we're always learning, consuming knowledge, God does not. He does know all things. This, the Isaiah 55 passage, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. I'll read it again. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God has thoughts that are beyond us, beyond our human comprehension. We can't fathom them. He is uh, all-powerful, all-present. It makes sense, too, that he is all-knowing, doesn't it? I think this is really important as we consider how we view God first. 
because we can't try to contain him or confine him or think that we know every single thing about him. I think there's an arrogance in humanity when we try to think of God in a certain way or fit within our human logic. If God is this and this, therefore he can't be this. You know, we, we do that. We, we do these, this, these sums as if we can define him. But his ways and thoughts and knowledge are far beyond ours. And look at the Romans um, passage as well. Verse, uh, I'll just read a couple of verses. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? That last part, who has been his counselor? Who has taught God? It's a rhetorical question here because God doesn't learn. He already knows every detail of what was and is and will be. I think Paul's just echoing something Isaiah also said in, uh, in a different chapter in the next slide. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13 to 14, it says, Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? You see, Isaiah's just, just, just pulling out that idea of who counseled God? No one did. The answer, it's rhetorical. The obvious answer, nobody, because to say he knows all things means it's a God that has never learned, cannot learn, because he has no need to learn. Does that make sense? A God that has never learned, cannot learn, he has no need to learn. He knows it all. He's the source of it all. Past, present, and future. It's not like a timeline, the way we think of time. It's God knows every minute detail of every moment of existence. He's all-knowing, all-present all-powerful. From the gigantic universe around us to the tiniest microscopic quantum mania level as well. He knows every possibility that could be, but also won't be. There is no mystery in the world that does not have, that he does not have the answer to, nothing hidden or concealed. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. He's a Christian pastor. It's a long one. I'll read it to you. A Christian pastor who lived in the early 1900s, he wrote a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. And in one of the chapters, he says this, God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirit and all spirits, all being and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, every plurality and all pluralities, all law and every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feeling, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven, on earth and in earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven, and hell. Because God knows all things perfectly, he knows no thing better than any other thing, but all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He's never surprised, never amazed. He never wonders about anything, nor, except when drawing men out for their own good, does he seek information or ask questions. There's a lot there, isn't there? But basically, he's just saying God knows all things. God in, in himself, he's the creator, the origin and he powerfully and sovereignly knows all things and what is to come. In fact, if we keep pulling that thread, we'll be led to the idea of what we, what we named our church, providence. I'm going to keep this as more of a sub-point, but God is all-powerful and all-sovereign and all-knowing, which means he isn't just knowing of tomorrow, he has already planned it out and controls tomorrow. Tomorrow is in his hands. He governs it. That's what providence means. Uh, you see, he powerfully, sovereignly is in control, knows all things, good and bad. It's within his providence. And so that last verse of Romans 11, that verse 36, for, it says, For in him and through him and for him are all things. 
through him, from him, through him, and for him are all things. That's what providence means. Everything is under his governance, his control, because he's an all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing God. Now, while God is all-knowing, and you might have heard this many times as a Christian uh, if you grew up in church, while God is all-knowing, he knows everything out there in the universe, he also, we need to remember, he also knows everything about us. Last week, we, uh, we read from Psalm 139. I want to rehash that. I've got it on the screen as well. God knows us. Verse 1 to 4, it says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. For God to know everything in existence, it makes sense that he also knows us. You and me, from our personalities, our experiences, our every thought, word, action, every motive and intention, every interaction we've had, even that, that tattoo that your parents don't know about, down to your DNA and every little cell in your body. And if you're human like me, that should make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. He knows every skeleton in my closet, the sinful thoughts I've had. He knows the times I've gossiped or grumbled, been jealous, had lustful thoughts, had ill feelings towards others, bad motives, hidden agendas, every secret. He knows our deepest, darkest thoughts, the sin in our hearts, our rebellion against him and against others. It's a little bit unsettling, isn't it? Everything about us he knows, even the things that we've forgotten about long ago. Uh, when I was a, a kid, I know there were many times me and my friends would tease other kids in school. I was bullied too, but I would bully others. And I'm ashamed of that. I'm ashamed of it because even now, I, I don't remember their names or their faces. But I know I, I did wrong against them. Even now as an adult, there are times in my mind I think of, of thoughts that are ungodly, that are unhelpful, that are, that are... You know, God remembers those things. And he knows those things. Every action and every thought behind closed doors. And like Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis, all the way back at the beginning of the Bible, you know, they thought they could hide behind a tree to hide from God. But none of us can really hide from his omniscience, can we? Our shame is laid bare. We're all exposed before him. Our hearts are exposed. Now imagine if I, or the person next to you, knew all that about you too. Imagine if your entire history of your life could be played like a movie. Not just what you did, but also the thoughts and motives that went through your mind. All the times you did something immoral, unethical, ungodly. Could also be the moments where you could have done good, or you could have done good, but you chose to ignore. The times that you chose to be passive instead. The times you chose your comfort, your pride, your selfishness, instead of serving or helping someone else. Imagine if all that could be seen. How would that make you feel if I or the person next to you could see and know everything about you? You'd feel a little exposed, wouldn't you? Ashamed, condemned even. I can imagine that many of us, if we truly knew every single thing about everyone and ourselves, we'd probably feel disgusted by our collective humanity and what we're capable of doing or thinking. I don't know if you'd even want to be friends with me. I think any human being would feel overwhelmed, wouldn't we, if we saw saw each other's hearts and the darkness that comes from them. I think any human being would feel overwhelmed by the gravity of our depravity. 
we'd feel despair at the brokenness of our world. Like, I don't know if you've ever watched Black Mirror, but it's like that. It'd probably drive us mad. It's a good thing we're not all-knowing, is it? But God is. And the thing about God is He's not just all-knowing. He's also all-powerful. He's also all-present. He's also sovereign. And He's sovereignly gracious and loving. You see, God sees it and He knows it all. And while our very deepest, darkest sin and thoughts are not hidden from Him, He doesn't condemn us. In mercy and grace, though, He chooses to forgive us and accept us. It's a good thing that God is God and I'm not. And while we might feel shame and guilt at our own sin, God's grace is far greater than our own condemnation. Jesus, uh, John actually talks about John the Apostle in the Bible actually says that uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 Uh, If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. I mean, that's the clearest verse that God knows everything. God is love, though, as well. And His love is far greater than those feelings of guilt and condemnation. We bring them before God and we find forgiveness in Him. We find acceptance. In the book of Hebrews as well, Hebrews chapter 4, I've got on the screen, um, verse 13 to 16, it says, There's nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before God. before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. All right, we're going to all stand before God. But verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, what this is saying is Jesus gets us. He knows who we are. He knows the world we live in, the temptations we go through, our weaknesses, our failures, our vulnerabilities, all the times we stuffed up. And he, without sin, he goes before God for us. Because of his death, because of his resurrection, he is that substitute for us. He takes the punishment for us, for our sin. Through faith in Him as our Savior, we can receive mercy and grace. That's what we receive. We get forgiveness. We get acceptance. And so verse 16, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence because of Jesus. You see, God being omniscient is so good because He's also a God who has attributes of love and justice and mercy and forgiveness and truth. He won't just let things slide But in his extraordinary and unconditional love through Jesus, we have acceptance through faith in him. See, with all the knowledge of humanity and history and future, God doesn't just leave us in our sin. He doesn't just leave us in our depravity. With his knowledge, he providentially, he he plans out our good and provides us with Jesus who takes away our guilt and shame. How good is that? We don't have to hide anymore. Yes, we have our wretchedness and our brokenness, but... There's forgiveness. There is no shame. Because Jesus has forgiven us of that. The one who matters the most sees us. He knows us and he accepts us with an unconditional love that no human can offer you. I'm so glad that God is omniscient and I'm not. Because God knows us fully and God accepts us in love. So what do we do with this information? Well, we can start by being thankful course, being thankful in praise and worship of this God. The all-knowing God loves us and has saved us by His grace. But secondly, I think we can be humbled by it. 
and we can surrender that control to him, that need for control. See, the truth of his omniscience points us to where we can find contentment in our need for control and the anxiety that comes with it. You see, our humanity is on this pursuit for more and more to fill our brains with, isn't it? Hoping, hoping, just hoping if I know more, I'll have more peace of mind. Hoping that we can have some certainty or some control. We want the weather app on our phone so we can know what to wear tomorrow in case it's windy. We want to check Google Maps so we can find the fastest route to our destination. We check online shopping to make sure that price in the store is not overly priced. We want that information to have a sense of control in our lives, at least for a moment, don't we? Yet in those moments, it doesn't always relieve our anxiety. It doesn't always give us more certainty. It gives us more information overload. Here's how this truth is humbling. God is in control. He knows. He knows what tomorrow brings, and he'll carry us through. Whether we make or what we think is the right choice or the wrong choice, he's in control. We don't have to fear. Fear missing out. Fear getting it wrong. We can loosen our grip a little bit. We can breathe a sigh of relief. He knows. We can let go and trust the one who is powerful and has the answers. And when I think about this idea, the, the pursuit of knowledge that we're on as human beings, I'm, I'm brought back to high school. Uh, my high school in Brisbane had the motto, and I'm going to, this is Latin, okay? Scientia es potestas. I don't even know if I said that right. Scientia es potestas. It means knowledge is power which is a good motto for a place of education, for sure. But while we've already discussed the, how finite our minds are, who has the uncapped, limitless knowledge? Who has uncapped power? God. Uh, I find it so interesting because we often in life, we entrust our lives to the hands of smart people, don't we, when it comes to issues of life and death? Uh, the engineer who, who oversees the structure of a building. The, the doctor who performs surgery on a patient. But even the smartest person in the room, the person with the highest IQ, the biggest brain, even with all the academic prizes, their knowledge of neurosurgery or quantum physics or whatever, even they will forget where they put their keys. Even they need to, to find my phone sometimes. There was an article written by um, the University of Toronto about why smart people forget things. I found it really interesting. Uh, and the professor wa uh, was quoted saying this, the real goal of memory is to optimize decision-making. It's important that the brain forgets irrelevant details and instead focuses on the stuff that's going to help make decisions in the real world. Our brains are limited. That's what he's saying. They forget things because they don't have the capacity to remember everything. You don't remember the meal you had at your seventh birthday party, do you? You don't remember that question on your exam in your second year of uni? I don't. You don't. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't remember the sermon I preached last year at this time. I don't. <laughs> I, our brains forget things because they are limited. And isn't that humbling? Scientia es potestas, knowledge is power, but doesn't, you know, who has the power? He doesn't have the power to give us contentment or fulfill that constant need for control or finding peace for our soul. Will we trust the God who has all knowledge and all power, who remembers all, sees all, and chooses to love us and accept us still? Surrender your worries. Surrender your fears to Him. Let the all-knowing sovereign God be your rock in those moments when you're scrolling tirelessly, hoping for a better option. Isn't it so good that God knows our futures? He's powerfully and providentially planned it out. And in Jesus, he has our good in mind. 
Do not fear, let go and entrust it to the Lord. Secondly and briefly, because God knows all, we're never misunderstood as well. I don't know if this is your problem, this is my problem sometimes, but don't you feel misunderstood <laughs> at times at least? We sometimes feel attacked by others or they claim that we've offended them. You might have been gossiped about or slandered against at times. Man, I'll be honest, as a pastor, a lot of words come out of my mouth, uh, both on stage and off stage. And sometimes I say stupid things, I'll admit. Sometimes the things I say, those also taken out of context. Or sometimes I'm taken the wrong way and I feel the need to justify myself. I feel the need to people please. And I think there's an anxiety attached to that. And I'm learning, and I hope you can learn this too, that we're secure in Jesus. We have nothing to hide and nothing to prove. We're never misunderstood in Jesus. God knows all. I hope that can provide some comfort for you. But lastly, this is for the Christian in the room who might be feeling tired, who might be feeling in despair, weighed down, feeling like you have to know everything and be everything for everyone. Well, we actually also got to repent. Not because you don't know everything, but because sometimes we act like we do. Friends, we're not created to be infinite beings, to be everywhere all at once and have a solution to everyone's problems but we can stand before the cross. And in repentance, we can seek humility and point people to God. He is the one all present, all powerful, and knows everything. We're called to turn to him to let go and trust. Now, I started earlier on looking back in the 90s, but let's go back in history a bit further. And let's think about just the last, what, 60, 50, 80 years, the rise of the digital age. I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because when we see the, the rise of the digital age, we see it also coincide with, coincide with a, a decline in the belief of God and religion. Is that coincidental? I don't know. But maybe, just maybe, we've substituted worshipping the all-knowing God for the all-knowing Google. My hope today is we'll stop worshipping the need for all knowledge and worship the one who is truly all-knowing. See God. See how his knowledge and love goes on forever and ever. Google won't always be truthful with you. There's a lot of fake news out there. It won't love or accept you. It doesn't care about you. It only gives you the illusion of control. And even if it does, it's just for a moment. But trust in God, the one who is in control, powerful, true, and all-knowing. In him, we can find contentment and peace. We don't know everything. And that's okay, because he does. Let's pray. God, help us to not fear, but to trust you with our options, with our futures, with the unknowns in our life. You are the all-knowing God, but you are also the all-loving God, the God of mercy and forgiveness who accepts us, even with the knowledge of our sin and our weaknesses. We thank you for Jesus and pray, Lord, we'll live a life trusting you with the outcome as we walk in faithful obedience to you. In his name we pray. Amen.